Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal? To inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. In today's episode, I welcome William Lee. In 2014, I visited the ministry in which he serves, HIS Bridge Builders in Texas, where William leads the work program in the Bonton neighborhood of South Dallas. I'm currently part of a team developing a faith-based nonprofit in an inner-city neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland, and got connected to William about nine months ago. He's been a wonderful encourager and sounding board as we put together the details for the program here. William is a native New Yorker who now lives in Cedar Hill, Texas. He spent most of his career in leadership, first in the military as a U.S. Army drill sergeant, and then in the telecommunications industry. As the director of the work program, William helps at-risk individuals re-enter the workforce. In this, he leads the life skills curriculum aimed at shifting the individual's worldview from victimization, entitlement, and dependency to responsibility, self-sufficiency, and restored dignity. William is a member of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. He is a husband married to Natasha and father to his son, Anthony. William, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome. I'm glad to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) This is wonderful. It's exciting. Yes, it is. Yeah, so we started talking about this uh, maybe six months ago, and here we are uh, having this conversation. So as we get started, I wondered if you could just share briefly about your faith background growing up. Well, um, it's, it's funny. I think, you know, you hear this story all the time. I grew up in the church. I was born in the church. I was in the church every day. And I literally grew up in the church. Uh, my mother was very devoted, uh, committed uh, Christian. Um, and she, I literally was born in the church. I think I was born like in the back somewhere. But um, <laughs> we grew up in the church. I was always in church. We lived over a church. We lived next to a church. I mean, I was just, I, I kind of think about it. I was either in or around or somewhere on top of a church um but the unfortunate thing is even then when uh what I, there was tragedy my mom died i went to go live with my grandparents we went to church but not really and as much as i was involved or or associated with church i never really was associated with church it never took i guess you could say it it never took uh, the issue is i guess and that's really my faith i knew there was a god i knew that god existed um but i never took anything I, I just was like well that that that's for later on in life I watched uh, my family go to church we went to church because we had to um, but then again I knew that I had to believe that I believed something and I would hear things and every now and again I would want to get a little serious about it um, but for the most part most of my adult life to be honest uh, I just knew there was God and I knew he was somewhere out there and I kind of sort of I guess we kind of dated You know, it was kind of like an on-again, off-again romance. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll holler at you a little bit later, and I'll come over here. But finally, um, 9-11, I was working in uh, New Jersey, and I was working for Verizon, and 9-11 happened. And I think that everything that I was doing, everything that I had, um, my career, just everything went left. Um, and what happened was I, I had met a young lady named Natasha, like you said, and this is part of my faith journey. This is, I say, the beginning. My life really started at 40. I'm 54 now. My life started at 40 uh, when, I, when, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And what happened was my son was acting up. And my, my wife, the, the whole thing before we got married was, if you don't stop acting up, we're going to send you to see your father in New Jersey. So if you're bad, we're going to send you to see that man in New Jersey. So finally, he acted up enough where we took it seriously, and he came. But here's the thing. My wife had already uh, come to Oakland Bible Fellowship, and she was telling me when my son came, she says, well, look, my baby's up here, but he need to go to church. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. I said, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let him read the Bible 
in the car as we go into New York every morning. For a whole summer, my child read the Bible to me for one hour in the morning and one hour in the evening. Within a year, I was in Texas, married and, and going to church. <laughs> and ever since then, it's like, you know, once I got running, it, I've just never stopped. And uh, once I got here to Texas, um, there were just things that were already in place. God had been actually working way before that. And it was just a testimony to how he worked. Like they always talk about that work prepared beforehand. Well, I'm just walking in the work that he prepared way back, way back from the very beginning. Um, everything that I am, everything that I was, everything that I've experienced is coming to help me do what it is that I'm doing for him now. Sometimes I feel like Paul, you know, he was tripping on one side, right? But he said, I don't need you to change who you are. I need to, you to be who you are for me. And that's how I feel about it. Everything that has happened to me. Um, and that's my faith walk. And like I said, these last 14 years, I think I've made up for the first 40. It's amazing how God continues, you know, he is reaching out all the time and it, in our adversities and in our failures, often is where it comes together. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not always in the neat package. Um, so talk about how you ended up in the ministry that you're serving today. Okay. Uh, well, when I came to uh, Texas, again, you know, I was, I was in corporate America. I was a corporate America. I was an executive in corporate America. So I was coming to Texas to start all over again, get in corporate, do my thing. Uh, but God had other things, other plans for me. So what happened was for the first year I came to Texas, nothing. I had a resume. I'm running around. I'm giving my resume. I'm running around. I'm running around. And I did finally get a job at uh, 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 an organization. I stayed there for a little while uh, and we worked in it. There was a gentleman that came to work with me named Steve Singleton and he was my GM. And what was funny, we hit it off and he was like, uh, are you a Christian brother? So we sat down and we started talking and we clicked and we kept clicking and it was about a year. Steve actually didn't last that long, but we forged this relationship and the company I was working at, they were a little bit, uh, how could I say, uh, it, it was a little off. Uh, but again, God was moving. Right. And what he did was he kept changing things until I listened and he kept moving me and he actually moved me out of that job. I mean, it was to a point where I could not stay. That's where it came to. And I'll never forget, um, going to come home and I remember leaving the job and telling Natasha I'm leaving now and she was like well what are we going to do I said I don't know and uh, as we sat there you know I'm throwing my resume together again I'm like you know what I'm supposed to get a job quick fast and in a hurry you know and I'm still thinking corporate I really am but I had um, met uh, a few people here, a man named um, Dr. Martin Hawkins, who was actually one of the founding pastors or one of the senior pastors from the very beginning at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship 40 years ago. And um, that's another story in itself, to be honest with you. Uh, but I remember talking to him and, and we discussed things and kept discussing. And what I did was um, I actually went through counseling because my wife was like, you know what, you always hit this point at a job and there's something. Maybe you need to talk and get some things straightened out. So I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still a Christian. I'm trying to walk. I'm doing these things, things I'm growing. But so what I did was I did, I actually went through counseling. And in the middle of a counseling session, the young man that was counseling me stopped. And he's like, what do you want to do? So we talked about it in the middle of a counseling session. He made a phone call. I went on an interview met this man named Mike Fetchner, walk in. We don't know why I'm even at this interview because he says, well, what are you trying to do? I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. But he was like, well, let's talk. And we talked for a little while. Um, he said, you know what? I'd like you to just come to our Bible study in Bonton. I was like, yeah. Right. And so I did. And it snatched me in my chest. I was sitting among some men and I was like, wow, it didn't matter if you were white, black, purple, green, where you from, how old you were. We all had the same issues. And as we started talking about it, and there was only one solution for those issues. And as we sat there and we talked, I got into it even more and more. And I think what got me was one day I was standing in the middle of Bonton uh, or Dallas, Texas, praying for a man I had never met in my life. And I, it really hit me. And I was like, you, you got real jokes, God. William Lee from New York City in Dallas, Texas, praying in the middle of the hood, as they say. And um, that's how I got to ministry. Um, I started as a facility manager, and then I started teaching life skills, and I really wanted to do training. 
And uh, what was funny was uh, the lady that was in charge of the program, her name is uh, KJ Burleson. Um, she was like, William, we're trying to write a grant. I want to get you on as a trainer, so forth and so on. So she was giving me some information to go get some training. And this is how God works. Uh, she wanted me to get logistics training. And my, my wife is like, well, we need money. You know, she's talking about getting training. Is she, are they going to pay for this, right? So we call up and guess what? The training was free. And no one knew this <laughs> until we called. So I go through the training. The grant that they were writing to help me get on to work here did not come through. They couldn't write it. Two weeks later, though, she saw that I had facility management on my resume. I came in as a facility manager because they had started a couple of years ago opening up a facility, needed somebody to open the facility. Now, this was two years ago. Okay, I don't know them. Uh, we get here. We're opening a facility. I become facility manager. There's a lady that's affiliated with a program that has a nephew who needs help. She says, I'll pay his first year's salary if he'll mentor my nephew. So there I am working for a ministry. And I remember talking with Pastor Hawkins. We prayed about it. And it was like he said, if this door opens up, you just run through. And what's really uh, funny and not funny, but I, I, when you go back and you look at it, you see God's hand everywhere, even in the small things. I had, I had a really great resume. I have a lot of experience. Um, I had people I knew, but nothing was working. The day that I accepted this job, I remember going home and setting my phone and wallet on the table and the phone started ringing. I got three phone calls from three companies I had been trying to talk to for six months calling me about an interview, but I had already accepted the bridge builders position. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, they would, no one would call me for almost a year. It's like God just held the, the, yeah. the floodgates closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that said, choose this one. Yep. So William, I want to go back to that, that first Bible study. And I, I'm curious what in it just grabbed a hold of your heart. It was just, um, we were just believers and we were in community and it was the body of Christ working together, talking together. You know how they talk about neither Jew nor Gentile. We were just believers sitting together. There was this, this body, this community of believers talking, helping, sharing, encouraging, uplifting. And I was like, wow, wow. And that just grabbed me. And I was like, you know what? This is what we need to be doing. This is how this is supposed to look. And, and, and I was like, you know what? I want to be part of this. Um, and, and, and again, like I said, before you knew it, I was working for them. Um, and I started as a, a couple other people started as volunteers. But when I sat there and as we were talking and sharing the word of God and we were doing things, we were do, we were hearers and doers, we were doing and hearing and hearing and doing, and it was wonderful. And I saw the impact, um, that God's word had on the different people. And it did. And, and what got me was it didn't matter where you were from. It just mattered that you believed in him and we were we were we were basing everything on the word of God and that was mm -hmm. it. And so I have visited the Bonton neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I was there in um I think it was twenty fourteen, like February of twenty fourteen. So I'd I'd like you to talk a little bit about the neighborhood and then the ministry that goes on in the neighborhood. Well, <clears throat> the neighborhood, again, they, they kind of call it a food desert because it's just forgotten. Actually, um, Bonton, there's a documentary. Um, it was zoned. It's a flood area, <laughs> the whole area. And what it was, it had been zoned that way. And so most of the people that lived there were those that were impoverished. Those were that forgotten. So it was actually kind of a little deliberate thing. So you have all of these folks over there who have just basically been forgotten. And when it rains it floods. Uh, now you talked about the food desert. I think when we were there, I remember somebody saying it was like a two and a half hour trip round trip by public transportation to go to the grocery store. Is it, yeah, am I yeah. right about yeah. that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, there's nothing there. There's a little store there and I forget the name of the store. I, I, it just is big daddies or something like that. And mm -hmm. you can go and get you a can of something, but you probably don't know how long that can has been sitting there. Um, you know, there's nothing nutritional. There's nothing worth anything to even go in there and buy, you know, either you have junk food or candy or potato chips mm -hmm. and there's just nothing. And no one wants to actually come into the community. And like you 
you said, there's a two, you know, there's, there's a two, a two hour ride. You know, people can't get milk because this Texas is hot. So in the summertime, imagine running around for two hours with your milk coming back and forth, riding on a bus. And that's just the actual ride. We're not talking about waiting for the bus. We're not talking about shopping. So you're talking about like a four to six hour excursion just to go shopping. And then you still can't get the things you really would like to get or sometimes really need. Mm -hmm. um, and so, again, not only were, you know, they materially, you know, impoverished, it was spiritually uh, impoverished. So it, that's just the neighborhood, everything, you know, things that were going on in the neighborhood that continued. And what happened was when Mike Fesher and, and Bridge Builders got into the neighborhood, it was really cool because as they got into the neighborhood, and right now what we call it is uh, uh, Bridge Builders 3.0. We've been updating. We've been doing our updates. We were 1.0, then we were 2.0, now we're 3.0. Uh, we're getting, you know, we're coming into the 21st century. And um, we, we actually have missionaries that live in the community. And the big thing was to get in the community and change the community from within um, to find leaders that were in the community that wanted better. And here's the thing, there were a lot of people that wanted better, they just didn't know how. And so as people started to move in and started to hear the word of God and start to change their lives and change families, things have started to happen. Uh, we have a kids program down there where they're servicing like 100 kids an evening every day. Um, and here's the deal. We got, we, if we just got more room, we could service more children. Um, they're expanding the children's into the youth. Um, there's the missionaries knocking on doors every single day, you know, sharing the gospel on a daily basis. Um, it's uh it's really a trip um then we have the work program trying you know having people come through the work program so that we can get them back in the job market so they can take care of their families legitimately starting them on paths to careers not just jobs but careers uh restoring that dignity that you know god really intended for you to have in the very beginning um and one of the things that we do we call ourselves bridge builders because what does a bridge do it connects so we're connecting you back to the future that was already um, secured for you a long time ago. I always tell people in class, you know, your, your future has been sitting over there waiting for you. We're going to get you back there. That's what we do at Bridge Builders. We reconnect you with the future you were supposed to have in the first place. Um, unfortunately, you decided to do something different. So down in Bonton, like I said, again, um, there's a lot of movement. They've actually um, housing, new housing, new everything. And uh, what I really like is that we've actually become more intentional. Um, we've been re-energized to get down there. Like I said, the missionaries, I mean, just knocking on doors. And we're actually planning to get into all the uh, uh, about 15 more communities starting with you know a missionary we actually have one young man uh his name is pakibi who came through the programs um and here's the crazy thing he was up he was down he was up he was down but he was faithful and right now this man is on fire for god he went through a program and if you had saw him i remember meeting him seven years ago he's a brand new person and he's actually one of the, the men's missionaries and he actually just bought his home bought a home and in another part of Texas in an area that we're trying to move it, not trying that we're moving into. So he's the first missionary in this second community. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing and that's where we're going. So your family is birthing babies. Yep. <laughs> we have, we, we have in quintuplets and we just, we just fertile up in here. <laughs> so when I visited uh, Bonton there, there was a gentleman, there was a house where, where folks were living and some gardening stuff mm -hmm. going on. I'm going to let yeah. you talk about that. And then in the back of the neighborhood, the, the city had donated land and there was some interesting development going on back there. So you talked about the neighborhood being a food desert. And so I, I'm just going to let you talk about what, what developed out of that when you, when you saw the need. Okay. Well, uh, there, a gentleman named Darren came down when Mike Feshton was here, and what they did was uh, Bonton Farms was created, and they started growing, and it was really small. It started in his yard, and they had fish, and they were growing. They were they, they had a fishery and everything. It was small. Um, I think it was, uh, uh, I forget the name, but I know the Iponics. I forget the thing, the name, but they were growing fish. They were, they were raising fish. Um, they were, they had a garden and it's, it's huge now. Um, there even has been, um, 
an allotment or a, a donation of land, even more land. I think it's like 15, 20 acres, maybe more. And the man just wants, she said he doesn't want to get it developed. He just wants people to do something else with it. And so that's been donated to the farm. And what they've been doing is they've been growing farm and making business and, and creating and cultivating business relationships with, um, with restaurants. And so what they do, like even like a farmer's market and having better food um, uh, for the people in the community to have. And it's been cool because not only is it uh, with the food, but the kids come and work with the goats and they work in the farm. And so it, it's part of the community now. It's like just as much as part of the uh, community as Big Daddy's is. So, But it has a better selection and uh, more nutrients and has a whole lot more. And so you come get the gospel. You come get some greens. You come get some vegetables. You come get some milk, some cheese. Um, they have goats and it's funny because the kids know the goats by name um and even some of the gentlemen that have been around for many many years actually work on the farm so in order to address that issue of it being a food desert and uh, they're trying not trying but they're they're working on getting a building where they have a market right there in the community for all of the food that's growing so um as they continue to you know grow with the amount of space and land they can continue to grow more and more and more and actually um and also there's there's an entrepreneurship part of this where they're getting people to even get uh, vegetable stands to be able to start a business for themselves yeah, that's, it's just, I think that the baby chickens were just arriving on the day <laughs> that I was there. So, and there were, there were large deliveries of mulch mm -hmm. that yeah. were happening. So that, that whole farming with the, the animals was just starting to happen. So yeah. that's really cool. I, I'm wondering what you had to learn as you stepped into this work. I had to learn how to get out of the way. Um, I had to learn that, um, as they say, God makes the increase. All I was doing was, you know, providing certain things. He was working through me. Um, I think sometimes what happens is we think that we're doing the work and that we're creating the result and we're not, we just do the work. God takes care of the result. Um, and I had to learn that. I remember like, man, I need to do more. I need to do this. I need, no, you just need to do what I told you to do because I'll take care of the rest. I remember I, I'm, I'm a TV. It's funny. Like I said, God uses everything. Right. And I remember I, I was always watching TV. So I love illustrations. I use them for movies and books and everything else. And I was watching a TV show and the man made a promise to a family. It was a, a police, a, a police show. And he made a promise to the family and he's like, well, I'm gonna hold you to that result. You know, I'm gonna hold you to that. You said you were going to find this. He said, no, 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 no. He said, he said, hold me accountable for my effort, but the result is not mine. And I remembered that. And I was like, my part is the effort being prepared for God to be able to use me. My part and our part as Christians is to do what it is he's telling us to do. The result is his. And if we can remember that, we don't get tired so fast. We don't get discouraged because sometimes we get discouraged because someone is not getting here or not doing this or not doing that, or they've fallen off or did whatever. And the issue is this, right? Our effort is what we're supposed to be doing. We do what we do. Let God do what he does. And that was the biggest thing. So I even stopped being discouraged when someone didn't. I felt bad about it. I didn't like it, but I understood um, that, the result is not mine. And then also, you know, I like the farming thing, uh, the farming, not, I shouldn't say thing, but the theme of farming, agriculture. And here's the deal. Sometimes we have to understand where we are in the process. Um, you're not supposed to be planting every day. Sometimes you're just breaking ground. So sometimes with certain people, we're just breaking ground. And we need to understand where we are in the process and recognize that and not try and do too much. Because if you try and plant before the ground is ready, oh my goodness, you just wasted that seed and that time. Yeah. And yeah. so that was one of the things we I had to really just back up and learn and like, trust him, do what you do. He's in charge of the result. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. What have you seen God thread together from the lessons you learned in the military and your corporate experiences, you know, as you bring them that into this work? Um, the one thing I liked about the military was it was about the whole person. 
And I believe that God is about the whole person. It's like, you need to take care of the whole person. You can't take up pieces. I love the body of Christ because it's made up of everything and everyone. Um, I always talk about people, you know, there's this, this thing of community. Um, if you cut your hand off and let it sit over there by itself, the only time the hand could run around by itself was on TV when we used to watch the Adams family. But if you cut something off from the body, if you have no community, it'll die. Um, what I enjoyed so much about the military, it was about community and taking care of the whole person, making sure they were okay. In corporate, the thing that I learned um, that there's this, this thing that God does expect results. See, it's funny, right? I did a a, 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 a little thing on God expects results. Um, I don't think there's anywhere he says, do the best you can. He says, go do what I tell you to do because I gave you this. And God ain't running around talking about I'm doing the best I can. Y'all hold on for a minute. No, God gets it done. And in corporate, right, although, you know, you take care of your people, you do this, that, and the other, there's an expectation that there should be, how should we say, we go biblical, there should be some fruit. If there's no fruit, then something's not going right. We don't just do just to be doing. Uh, we don't go share the gospel just for it to be shared. You share it so that God can do something with it. And so one of the things that I learned, like I said, in the military was take care of your people. You got to take care of your people if you want things to happen like they need to happen. And you have to make sure that they're whole um, so that they're not distracted. Okay. I, I never forget uh, one of the things in the military, they take care of your physical so that you don't have to worry about that when you're at work. They take care of your housing. They take care of your clothing. They take care of everything because when it's time for business, they don't want distractions. The military, you know, and that was the military uh, in corporate. Again, there's an accountability and there's an expectation of fruit. And, and God expects fruit. And I think sometimes people don't realize that, well, just do what you can. You know? No, we should be doing things so that there is something that manifests from what we're doing. You don't plant just to plant. You plant because there's an expectation of a result. He gave us a life. He said, you know what? I'm going to give you all these gifts. I'm going to give you this. Um, one of my favorite stories is about the Minas. And it wasn't about, like, according to your ability, I'm going to give you a life. So whatever I gave you, whatever talent, however, gift, talent, whatever I gave you, take it, maximize it, and do all you can do because that's what I need you to do. And, and, and don't be worried about what Joe did and he's tall and he can run fast or he's smarter. I don't care. I gave Joe what I gave Joe and I gave everybody the same thing. I gave you a life. I gave you gifts. I gave you talent. You take whatever you have and you maximize it. And if you do that, You'll be that 10 Mina, and I'll reward that. And, and I think that, that that's the part about the expectation and the result. According to what I gave you, and I gave you a whole life, so I'm expecting you to do something with that. Makes me think about uh, Jesus' interaction with Peter. And at, at one point, Peter says, well, what about that guy, John? And, and Jesus says to him, you don't worry about John. You follow hey, me. Yeah. <laughs> what about him for? <laughs> get on back over here i always tell people i said okay so since you want what they have when they mess up can you want some of their punishment too uh no okay then stop that just leave that alone you worry <laughs> about yours and let them worry about theirs one of the threads i hear in your life is that theme of lost and found you know mm -hmm. the you had that early experience in church with your mother and then kind of walked in the wilderness for a little while and then God got a hold of you through an interesting set of circumstances with your son and then you know that led you into eventually the work you're doing now with bridge builders what I'm wondering about is how that theme in your own life contributes to the work that you're doing with folks in Bonton that theme of lost and found I like the theme that you just said, the lost and the found. And it goes back to the bridge. It's about reconnection. Um, I truly believe that our future has already been secured. The issue is, is that we have gotten disconnected with what we were supposed to be and where we were, we were supposed to be and what we were supposed to be doing. The lost and found. Um, when it started out, I was on the right track. God had me when he created me and he created us. Everything was everything. Then we decided to do what we wanted to do and we got disconnected. So when we talk about that lost and found, it's about reconnecting people back to that. Do you really understand who you truly are? Because once you understand who you truly are, then it doesn't look so far away. It doesn't look so impossible. And when you look, you're looking for you, the right you. And, and now when you understand who you are and everything else, 
it's so much easier to keep going. Um, I look at folk and I'm like, do you realize the greatness? I always tell everybody, I say, you were created for greatness. God created you to be something wonderful. We go to Genesis and I talk about being fruitful and multiplying. And what I tell them is fruitful is production. Multiplication is growth. That's what he wanted for you. You know, he gave you this to take care of, to contribute to this, not to take away. This was a wonderful thing he had for you. You just don't understand. And I think when you say the lost and the found, you need to recapture, regain. And I think when I think about the lost and found, it's recapturing who you're supposed to be. Not who you think you ought to be, but who you really were. You know, it's almost like, you know, someone, you know, like adopted at birth. And then they go back and find their real parents and find out that they were like, you know, royalty or whatever. And here's the deal. It wasn't what you wanted to be. It was what you were supposed to be. And when we talk to folks, right, because if I if, if, if I understand who I am, then I'll act that way. I understand I have value. understand I have worth. I understand that God loves me. And I understand that I have a purpose, a real purpose. And it's not this little thing that I had. It's this big thing that I'm supposed to be doing. I talk about impact. And that was the same thing with me. It was like you were supposed to be doing something and not at corporate either. But it was preparing you to do what I wanted you to do. And, and, and I talk to some people. I mean, people come through here. They're brilliant. Have no clue what they should be doing with that. And I tell them, we go back to Genesis. I'm like, man, do you know who you are? Um, I, 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 I go back to the military and one of my, my favorite things is basic training. And most people didn't like basic training. I loved basic training. And you know why? It gave me identity. They told me I was a soldier. And not only did they tell me I was a soldier, they did things to make sure I knew I was a soldier. They gave me a uniform. They taught me how to walk. They taught me how to talk. They taught me how to act. And they said, and they gave me these things to follow. And then what I really like, they gave us a creed and it said, this is who you are. And I tell people, I said, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live. <laughs> you got to remember who you are. Because once you remember who you are, then you'll act accordingly. And, and, and I look at the uniform in the military. You ever, if you ever look at the uniform in the military, it's a reminder of everything, just like the word reminds us, just like our community reminds us. Everybody dresses the same, but we have a name tag that distinguishes us as being individuals. But on the other side of that, there's this thing that says, this is where you belong, U.S. Army, U.S. Navy, U.S. Marines, U.S. Air Force. But it still lets you be an individual. And one of the favorite parts is there's this section on your uniform, right, that you get rewards or you get um, you get to capitalize, brag about what your unit has done since World War II. So there are like re awards and everything that a unit has. And guess what? Because you're part of that unit, you get to brag on that too. And it gives you identity and it gives you all of these things. I always thought about going back to the cross. It's like, you get to brag on that. See, just like the military, you know, uh, if you join the 82nd Airborne, you get to brag on its history. As yeah, a so it's that beauty of, of both yeah. individual yeah. and community. Yep. Yep. And, yeah. and it, it's, 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 it's just wonderful. And like I said, you get to brag on the history, just like as a Christian, once you accept Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You get to brag on what he did. So as you talk, it makes me think about just how, it, how important it is that we speak life into each other. Yes. Um, and that I think in your own life, I, I think about your son reading the scriptures out loud to you in that commute every day mm -hmm. that spoke life into you uh, in almost an opposite way than you would think sometimes. Yeah. And how being willing to submit into a counseling relationship and then the connection to Mike Fletchner and the, how that, those experiences spoke life into you and now how, how it's come full circle where you're so able to speak life into other people. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, as you, as you think about all of this, what you've learned about yourself in the journey. When I think about it, um, I've, I've learned that I'm broken, I'm flawed, but, but I'm loved. Um, I've been forgiven. 
um, that there is this, this person who died for me, that loves me, that wanted me to have this wonderful future. Um, I learned who I truly, truly am, not who I always thought I was or who my father said I wasn't or my mother wasn't able to get the chance to tell me who I was. Um, the influences of life, that I was better than the things that I was trying to do, that I was going in the wrong direction, that there was this full abundant life for me and all I had to do was surrender. Um, it let me know that I was part of something much bigger than myself. All I had to do was just let go, that there was a, there was an all my, there was a God that there's this, there's God and he loves me. He truly loved me, that I was loved. That was one of the biggest things. It was like, wow, no matter what I've ever done, no matter what I will do, he still loves me and he has his be my best interest in mind and he's going to make sure I'm okay. And, and, and I learned that, that I was really truly loved and that, that, that I meant something and that I had value and I had purpose and direction. And the craziest thing is not just, I, I thought I'm thinking now, but he did this a long time ago before I even, anybody even thought about me before the beginning of time, he created me. And, and it was like, wow, I'm special and I'm unique and, and I matter. And, and that was important. And that's one of the things that I really like to be able to share to the folks that are coming through here, because most of them don't think they matter at all. Hmm. Yeah. So just say a little bit more about that. As you think about others, what have you learned about other people? What do you see in other people as you, as you serve in this journey? I, you know, um, Tina, I see like just hopelessness. I, I, I see people that are um, misinformed uninformed um some people who are just angry and and they don't really understand um or even they're they're not even they're just they haven't been exposed to truth they've been taken advantage of and 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 they just don't know it's funny because we have grown-ups um i'll tell you a quick story i was talking to uh, one of my staff members and um, they were talking about how the youth were they were in a class and they were kind of on their phones and not really paying attention and doing these other things and i was like it's just like the adults they do the same thing i said but we but the only difference is they older and you would expect them to do different and one of the things that i found out about uh, people are some people really truly don't know and and you know what's funny defiant sometimes is not always i just want to be defiant i just don't want you to know that i don't know so let me tell you this way uh, young men they're defiant not because they just want to be defiant some more than anything don't know i had a young lady through here and she didn't like we i do brain teasers every morning and she's like i hate these things i hate these things she just did not want to do these are stupid why do we have to do these things and so i was like well they help you here they help you there well no mr lee why you know so one day you know i would make her kind of i would still i work through them with her you know and the class would work through and she would just be losing her mind then one day she came to me and she's like you know mr lee why you think i don't like them things i said because they make you feel less than who you think you are they because you don't know how to do them that well what i like i know why you, they don't they don't they don't help your reputation as who you think you are and you think that they take away from you rather than add to you that's why you don't like them but if you would just surrender a little bit practice a little bit you can conquer this and again the reactions they do is a lot of times because they don't know they're not prepared they're afraid and they don't want you to see them as less because they already don't feel good about themselves but what they'll do is they'll put on that 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 fake front um they put on that facade and they'd rather stay where they are than you to know the truth because i want you to like me, love me. I want to be, I want to matter. Like I said earlier, I, that's what I've learned about other folks. And, and sometimes people will actually stay exactly where they are so that you'll never find out that they feel that way because they feel that bad about themselves. Yeah. And talk about the transformations. You talk about a, a young man earlier, um, you know, who's really come full circle. Talk about those transformations when, uh, God really does get in, and you see you see transformation in somebody's life. Wow, um, it's um, that's <laughs> that's what gets me up in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah, I get you get excited. Monday's my favorite day of the week, um, just to get started and have five days to you know just really 
share with folks. Um, but the transformation is like once they start to get information, um, the real information, the right information. I always talk about, you know, like, you know, they always tell you to cut your computer off at night or log off so you can get your updates. And once you get your updates, your computer runs a little bit better. And I think it's the same way with people, right? I think some of the people that we have, they've been running on old software. And sometimes what we have to do is sometimes we have to uninstall some and reinstall. Um, and sometimes they just haven't had their updates. And once you start updating everything, you have to shut them down and then you start to update them. And when they start to get updating and they just, the, the updates keep coming, keep coming. And once they get all or a lot of what they know and they get closer to knowing what they should know, they start to change and you just see the whole, their face changes. I mean, physically, some of them look like they're different people. Their eyes are brighter. Um, they're, 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 they stand up straighter. And I always look at it. I think I always think about the software we got to get the software updated um, because they it's like PlayStation one and you're trying to run some, a game from PlayStation one on PlayStation four. It's not going to work. So once we get them updated and get the right software in them, they start to act different. They have no choice. To be honest, think about that. Once you get the right information, you have no choice but to act right. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, that we don't do it. God does it. Right. So what are some of those lessons you've learned about God in this in this journey? <laughs> He's God. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've learned. He is God and you're not. <laughs> and um He's faithful in the big as well as the small. And if you would just get out of the way and let him do what he does, life is so much easier. And I've learned, I mean, even, even in teaching and, you know, trying to do this or trying to do that and be like, you know what, Lord, you're going to have to deal with this one here. Cause I, and you come in the next morning and everything that you thought you were going to have to do has already been done. And, and even just praying for the students in their situations and just letting God do what he does and you do what you do. And I just, you know, it's like, let God be God. You just do your part and let God be God. And again, he is faithful. I've learned that he's faithful, but here's the deal. I think that uh, what you have to do is you have to be intentional about looking where he is. You have to be intentional about seeing where he is. Um, you have to be intentional. And you have to, like you said, he, 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 he you know, it's like, all things and, and I always think of that that version you always say you know you know all things it is all things for the good all things all things and I'm like does that really mean all and it does and when you start to really look at everything and all things and you like he is God and if you just just stay there and when you look at everything having that bent you you're gonna be all right you know and that's what I've learned God is God for real <laughs> amen uh I think when we, you know, when you see it happen, and especially with, with people maybe who have been resistant, and then all of a sudden they soften, and you see, as you said, it's different in their face, and their eyes, and their hearts, and their whole attitude. Um, these conversations are intended to inspire a wholesome expression of faith for other people. And so what, what might you say as a word of encouragement to somebody, somebody feeling that nudge from God and maybe feeling timid about what that means for them to step into it? What, what would you have to say? Are you talking like just a regular person or somebody who was getting ready to do ministry? Just, just a regular person who's feeling a nudge from God to do something. You know, it's, it could be something little. Mm -hmm. It could be something big. But they're feeling that nudge and feeling timid about it. Hmm. Um, huh. I like Nike. <laughs> and they say, just do it. Um, I did a, a, you know, I'm always talking, right? So I thought about the Nike. Um, I had a drill sergeant. And yeah, I have to have to tell you a story too. You have to excuse my wife and my son. They get on me about, you always got a story for everything. You can't have a story for everything, but I do. So anyway, you, you, you've heard the just do it, you know, slogan, you just do it. They, they don't talk about if you feel like it, it says just do it. So um, I remember that, that slogan. And I was like, it was really funny when I was in basic training, I had a, a drill sergeant named Sergeant Logan. And she used to always tell us, you know, come on y'all, you bunch of mollies, just do it. And this was before Nike came out with the slogan. And I was like, wow, you know, when I remember hearing the slogan and thinking about it, I was like, wow, Sergeant Logan kind of missed out, you know, because she was on that a long time ago before, you know, um, before Nike. But then I was looking and I said, you know what? 
God, God is funny because he came up with that slogan and he gave it to someone and it said, be hearers of the word. And it said, not just hearers, but be doers. And in other words, just do it. And God is informing us. He's not asking you how you feel about things. He's saying, go do what it is that I've told you to do. Um, and when you feel that way, understand that it's, it's almost like, you know, look at if you understand that God has everything and he can do everything, then you shouldn't have an issue. The problem that we're having is that we're thinking we're doing it. So, yeah, I know my shortcomings. I know I don't know anything. I know this, that, and the other. But if I think too small, right, um, then, 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 then I think I can do it, and God's not involved anyway. And then if I think, you know, you got to think big, and here's the deal. If you can't do it, he can. And if he's called you to do it, he'll do it. It was funny. A gentleman told me the other day, he said, first comes the commitment, then comes the resources. A lot of folk looking for the resources first before the commitment. No, commit, and he'll supply all your needs. He'll supply you. He'll equip you. Go do what he told you to do. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a little aggressive at times, and I tell people, stop being punk. Look, you know what? He told you to go do it. Go do it. He ain't gonna, he's not going to tell you anything that he doesn't. He's not going to get your back. Yeah, and it you know until you live that and see it, um, sometimes it's a little hard to believe, and yet yeah. it it happens. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? It's you know I'll, I'll use you. I'm going to do X, and see what happens is is you know people got to understand in order to get from A to Z, you have to go through 24 letters. If you don't go through them 24 letters, you don't get to Z. Okay, not really. You can skip if you want, but then you haven't dealt with the alphabet. You're missing something. And, and if you every day do what you can do, you'll be fine. And again, like you said, you got to remember God is God. We go back in the beginning. He created. So if he created all this, come on now. All you got to do is look. See, the issue is we're not looking at what we need to look at. And I tell people, anybody who's afraid, um, what's the uh, faith is the assurance, right? Mm-hmm. Of things hoped for and the evidence. What is evidence? Evidence is proof. All you got to do is look. Is God who he says he is? Look around. If you can't see that, then you blind. Because every day he's doing what he's doing. When you wake up in the morning, you got to say, wait a minute, how did I get up? How come all my blood didn't just flow out of my body last night? Imagine he created you so, you're so complicated, it's ridiculous. Evidence of things not seen. You ain't got to see him. All you got to do is look around. He's everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. You know, we, we have more faith in everything else than we do any, than God. And he's, he created everything. So I tell people who are like, well, I ain't really sure. Let's stop for a minute. Let's get some evidence here. You know, because again, if you start to look and see the evidence, you shouldn't have any problem. Remember, it's not you. Because like I said, again, whenever I look at me, I can't pull this off. I was just thinking, uh, you know, if you look, if, if you take yourself back to the, the 22 year old William, uh, <laughs> could, could you ever have imagined this? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. If I take you back to the 39 year old William, <laughs> I tell you, no. Um, you know, and even sometimes early on and when I was in, just like I said, I got here at 40, my life started, I tell everyone my life started at 40. And even those first few years as being, you know, being a believer and being unsure, I, you, you couldn't tell me that this was where I'd be right now today, sitting here talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just incredible. Mm -hmm. So as we wrap up, um, there may be people who listen that say, you know what, I'd, I'd like to get in touch with him. Um, how might somebody reach you if they wanted to? Well, if someone wanted to reach me because of who I am, right, I have my, um, you can reach me at uh, Bridge Builders, uh, the Economic Development Center on 2075 West Commerce Street, Dallas, Texas, 75208. Um, My um, email is wlee at hisbridgebuilders.org. Um, and that's bridge builders, the whole word, uh, word. Now I'm going to go out here, right? My phone number is four, six, nine, two, six, one, three, zero, two, nine. And that's the number straight to me. Cause I'm not afraid to take calls. <laughs> and you never know who may need to reach out. So, um, I'll reference, uh, bridge builders information has put the show notes and the, the posts together that go out. 
And William, I just really want to thank you. And uh, it's just a joy to listen. And your enthusiasm just kind of radiates right through the sound waves. And, you know, I, I hear your love for people and your love for God. And I just pray that's an encouragement to those who hear this as they think about where God may be nudging them. So thank you so much. No, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. And congratulations. And I look forward to a year from now when I just look forward to a year from now with the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just love talking to William. I think of him like a ball of energy transmitting love out to every person he meets. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. William says his life began at 40, and now he's walking in the ways that God prepared in advance for him. There were twists, turns, and disappointments, but now looking back, William can see how these plans unfolded. Maybe you're in a place where the plans of God aren't clear for you at this point in your life, or maybe you've already walked that winding road and have a story to share that might encourage others. My hope is that we can engage in some dialogue as a result of these episodes. With each one, I'll be asking a question for us to ponder. And I've created a private Facebook group where we can have that chat. It's a place where you can jump into the conversation, find encouragement, and hear from others who are also on the journey as we share the ways God is faithfully innovating our lives. William says that he believes that God was the originator of the slogan, Just Do It. Here's your question to ponder this week. If God were to say to you, just do it, what would that it be for you? What God-sized challenge is he asking you to pursue? Join me over in the Faithful Innovation Facebook group where we'll be sharing how God is nudging us. The question of the week will be pinned at the top, and I'm eager to hear what you have to say. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher. Come back next week when we'll hear from Debbie Ellinger and her story of starting a nonprofit that is creating a residential house of hope to help young girls who fell victim to sex trafficking through a journey of healing and restoration. Make it a great week and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.